0: everybody and welcome to Philly's Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne joined by uh, my buddy and pal and you're looking like a Christmas elf today John. <laughs> Why am I looking like a Christmas know, elf? You got uh, <laughs> a, a Christmas elf who hasn't shaved in about two days but uh, no I'm, John I'm pumped. This is our last show of the year and uh, we got a great guest. We do have a great guest. Uh,
1: we've met him because uh, the, the good news in Philadelphia is that all the teams have great relationships, Sixers, Flyers, Eagles, and obviously Phillies. And we have had uh, our next guest, Doug Peterson, uh, come down for uh, many times, took batting practice, batting challenge, and then threw out the first pitch. So let's bring him right on. Doug, how you doing? Hey, guys, doing well. Thank you so much for
2: having me on. Those are some great memories right there. I remember those uh, those little hitting or batting uh, Little contests we had right there in the stadium. Those were those were a lot of fun.
1: Well, it was fun because we'd have like the guys come down. We'd have like Jordan Malata. That's the first time I met the guy, and the guy's huge. You know, to seeing him with a with a baseball bat and John Dorenbos, I was obviously a big part of it way back when. And uh, yeah, and, and do, I, you actually played baseball, right? I assume growing up.
2: I did. Yeah, I did. I did play baseball. Uh, high school. High school was about the. Uh, the, the limitations of my baseball career if I chose football after that.
1: Well, I tell you what, so I've been with the Phillies. This is my 29th season, believe it or not. And Tom's actually been here longer. Um, and I've, I'm usually the one that brings celebrities down to throw out the first pitch. And I remember when you came down to throw out the first pitch, I gave you the advice that I give to everybody. I always say, look, you're on top of you know, you're in front of the mound – you you don't want to go into the ground. I always say aim a little higher than you normally will and, and don't try to throw a seed. You know, you just want to basically aim high. If you go too high, you get a ooh. If you go too low, you get a boo. So you're looking at me, and you're just kind of nodding your head just so, you know. I think <laughs> basically whatever I was saying was going in and out of your, you know, your head. And you get up there and I'm I'm not just saying this cuz you're our guest today. You had the best first pitch. You totally yeah. disregarded my, my uh, <laughs> advice, and you threw you actually threw a seed, and it had a little sinking action <laughs> fastball right down to the uh, right down the middle of the plate.
2: Well, I tell you what, um, I was that's the most nervous I've ever been doing anything uh, like that remotely like that, and of course that's the first time I've I've ever done that situation, you know, throwing out that pitch and, and everything. And, you know, I, I, had to, I had to throw, I think I threw about six or seven innings in the bullpen underneath the stadium <laughs> to get my arm, right. to get my arm loose and ready to go. Um, and, uh, you know, went out there and just, just said, hey, let's just uh, just throw it at the mitt. Did that, and uh, I think it was a strike, and all, everything was great after that.
1: So, yeah, you're saying you were more nervous there than in <laughs> know, the Super right? Bowl? <laughs> you're in the Super well, Bowl. Yeah, because,
2: <laughs> well, you, you know, it's, I, w- I was. I was really nervous because that's, you know, Super Bowl is football, right? And it's what, it's what we do. It's what I've done pretty much my whole life. And that was just kind of, uh, you know, uh, human nature for me. Throwing out a first pitch, not so much in front of uh, about 40,000, 45,000 fans. That was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, well, you're being very modest too, Doug, because i doing some research, you know, knowing you were coming on today. Were you an all-state uh, baseball player? I mean, you, you had some success I, uh, playing baseball in high school.
2: Yeah, I, I had some success obviously back in high school and a lot of a lot of athletes do. I, I did play baseball. Baseball was a was a kind of a second love for me. Um, you know, I pitched, uh played the outfield, you know, um had a, had a pretty decent, you know, high school career and like I said, I chose I chose football after that, but yeah, baseball baseball was always um, you know, a passion of mine as well.
0: Yeah. Well, you did pitch, okay. So that makes sense because I, I remember when you threw out that first pitch. It's like, yeah, I think Doug's uh, done this before, but like you said, just won the Super Bowl. Uh, actually, it was right after Roy Holiday had passed, and I knew you came out and honored him by wearing right. his uniform. Yeah, so, wore his, wore his uh, uniform. Yeah, a real electric moment for uh, for us too. So, uh, do you ever get tired of talking about that Super Bowl season, Doug?
2: It never gets old, whether it's a highlight or an interview or just talking in general. You run into fans. I run into you know Eagles fans all over the place, all over the country, and you know they always remember what a what a great win and you know thank you for a great victory. It was the best day of my life. All those stories and, that, and that's that's just so special to me and to my family that you know uh, had the opportunity to, to bring that city a, a a world championship and a Super Bowl and uh, something we'll always remember.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you ever uh, just for uh, giggles watch YouTube, John? I, I love watching, especially getting ready for you know knowing Doug was coming on, watching YouTube videos of fans on, when that last play gets dropped, you know, right. and uh, the Eagles have won. Every Philadelphia fan had their yeah. you know, stomach just <laughs> churning, but, and I, but I love watching the the YouTube videos of fans recording themselves watching the games do you ever watch those doug I mean it just must give you such a thrill to see how the fans you know just reacted after that win
2: yeah it's, it's pretty special you know to know that you did something uh, like that for the city and for the fans and I have I have caught a few of those uh, moments you know and, and the ones I like to are not only the ones you know the people in the stadium but people all over the all over the country or the world that were watching that game and, and to see the reactions of the of the living rooms or the the patios or wherever people were in the, in the bars and restaurants to just celebrate and cheer and, and hug each other and go up and down and cry. And, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. And those are the memories that I always, you know, take away from, uh, you know, from winning that game.
0: Well, and I, I guess I always think too, a couple of things. First of all, it was his first Super Bowl win, you know, for Philadelphia, but also, um, it was so, uh, you know, it had such a great team. Just uh, the, the the city fell in love with that team. It, it reminded me of the 93 Phillies, you know, and or the 2000s, uh, uh, 2001 Sixers without Iverson. Maybe a season that kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. And the whole idea that, you know, we, we kind of were the underdogs that year. And how, how much did the team kind of feed off that underdog, uh, you know, mentality? I, I
2: tell you what, I, I think – I think the city really embraced, um, you know, that underdog theme. When our players, uh, I remember it was Lane Johnson, I think, and Chris Long with the team at the time. And they came out after, I believe it was the uh, NFC Championship game, I think, and they wore the dog mask. And, um, you know, I just think the city embraced that moment. It kind of, it it kind of, it sort of, resonated throughout the city right the underdog mentality and and uh that whole season that's how our players felt felt like we were the underdogs the whole the whole season and you know something 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 that we can embrace something that we could kind of play each week for quite honestly they're playing for each other they're playing for the city you know and the fans and and um carried it over to the Super Bowl and you know underdogs and, and the whole thing in the Super Bowl and that that to me is what's special about that team is is how they really embraced each other, you know, because you, you get a lot of different personalities on a football team, and but yet they came came together, how they embraced one another, played for one another, and ended up ultimately winning a championship. But that was uh, that was sort of a defining moment, I think, with that those underdog masks uh, that that people could really relate to. Well,
0: and also this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: So you personally, it must have resonated because of the quarterback situation. I mean, you personally, as far as a player, you know, you came in for Dan Marino, and then you'd come in for when, you know, Favre would go down. You go in for a lot of different quarterbacks. All of a sudden, you have Carson Wentz, who's obviously the superstar, having a great year. Then he gets hurt. Then everyone's hopes, you know, as a fans are, are looking, oh, my God, are you know, our, is our season done? We have, you know, Carson Wentz goes down. And then you have, you know, obviously everyone knows the story. Nick Foles comes in and, you know, does a tremendous job. So did that have special meaning to you as, you know, as someone who, you know, toiled all those years, you know, as a quarterback to see someone like Nick Foles come in and do that, do what he did?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, my whole career was a backup and, you know, I think about that season, 2017 and, you know, we lost Jason Peters. We lost Chris Amerigo. We lost Darren Sproles Jordan Hicks, we lost these guys to season ending injuries and, you know, Carson Wentz and, you know, the guy behind them just stepped up and the guy behind them was prepared and ready to go. And that's, that's the life of a backup, you know? And I think about Nick Foles, that's, that was, you know, I, I never, I was, obviously as a backup quarterback, never, you know, won a championship or took a team to a championship, but you know, that's just, that's just who and kind of, you know, what our team was that year. And, and I give a lot of credit to my, my coaching staff for preparing these guys to come in and preparing Nick Foles to come in and, you know, take over for an injured Carson Wentz, who was probably going to end up being the MVP that year. And, um, you know, and, and that's, that's what resonates again. I think thinking about what Nick did, you know, thinking about my career as a backup, thinking about all the backups that came in that year and ended up being starters for us. Um just a special, special team, and, and, and quite honestly, that's what it takes to, to win championships. you got to have a special team of special players and, you know, um, a lot of players that, that kind of gave of themselves to their teammates. That's, that was something we talked about, you know, as a, as a team, and um, it's just an amazing feeling, uh, obviously, knowing that that's, that's uh, you know, what we did and, and what we accomplished.
0: And leadership, too, Doug. I mean, uh, on that team, you had some great leaders. Uh, and I wonder, too, as, as a coach, um, do you have to identify players on a team or do they just kind of naturally rise to the top? And, and I ask that, too. I always go back uh, to the 93 Phillies again where, you know, Jim Fregosi needed a guy in the clubhouse. And he identified Darren Dalton, who at that time uh, hadn't had a lot of success, a lot of injuries. um, But, you know, he was growing as a player and and certainly as a leader, it was always there. But he was never the vocal guy. And Fregosi did meet with, you know, Dalton before the season and and ask him, hey, I really need you to kind of take my message to the team and and be that guy in the clubhouse. Do you have to kind of identify a guy? and, And was there a guy that you did in 2017?
2: you know i think that's part of the part of the off season you know for me um, is, is where you really begin to see kind of the structure of your football team and and who really is going to as a player who's going to embrace you know the leadership role obviously you think about what you think about the quarterback right he he should be uh, and Carson was a tremendous leader on that team and you think about you know a guy like Jason Peters a veteran a veteran guy you know Malcolm Jenkins a veteran guy Chris Long veteran players who had been on championship teams in their career. And yet that's, that's where we started sort of, I think cultivating the leadership and who was going to, you know, take charge, you know, that season. And that all started for me in the off season. Who, who are these players and how can, how can I get them to lead the football team? And as the head coach, you got to lean on these guys from time to time. And, you know, um, then you get to the, get to the regular season and you continue to lead on them, lean on them. And you continue to allow them to grow and communicate and, and, you know, spread my message to the rest of the team. And and those guys, even when Jason Peters was hurt and Carson Wentz was hurt, they were still leading. They were leading behind the scenes. They were leading off the field. And um, that's that's so important, you know, so important for a head coach to have players like that that, um, you know, you can identify and ultimately call upon um, to lead your football team.
1: So then, you, you obviously won a Super Bowl with the Packers in 1997. So as a coach, uh, when you're up in uh, Minneapolis, what was your what did you take from that Super Bowl as a player to preparing your team best? You know, for your, you're obviously facing the Patriots, you got a little downtime. You know, there's a lot of ways a, a team can go as far as letting guys loose. You know, being very strict as far as you know what they're doing going out. What was how, how was your again philosophy shaped as a player back in 97?
2: Well, you know, again, I think about, I just think about the team itself. I think about the construction of the roster and the players. And, you know, Mike Holmgren uh, was our head coach and how he led, you know, how he led, you know, our football team and the the messaging, um, the consistent messaging throughout the entire season, you know, and then we ultimately get to, you know, the Super Bowl. And and it's, 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 it's ironic because I got to sit down with Mike Holmgren. He was he was uh, doing the radio broadcast for Westwood One, and he wanted to do a sit-down interview. So I was able to sit down with a former head coach of mine and, and kind of pick his brain. And I think the number one thing he kept saying was just be consistent. You know, be consistent with your messaging. Be consistent with, you know, what got you to the championship game. Be who you are. Don't, don't do anything differently. And, that, and that's just something that, I think resonated with me as the head coach of the Eagles, you know, once we got, you know, to that final week and up in Minneapolis and, you know, really all the speeches were done by then, right? You're at the, you're at the last game of the season and right. you're kind of kind of tired of doing all the speeches. But that to me resonated so much. Um, just do what got you there. And, and, and that was the biggest message that I took away from, you know, being there in and, and, uh, that final week.
1: Well you also brought in a guest speaker, right? With the, he was one of the most famous packers yeah, well, of all times.
2: Yeah, yeah. Brett came in and um, you know, he always he he told me earlier in the year, he says, Hey Doug, you he said if you make the Super Bowl, I'll come I'll come speak to your team if you want. And I said, Well, all right, you know, so I, I held him to it and he came and uh, spoke to our team, I believe on Saturday and, and just kind of shared some words of wisdom with them and somebody who had been there, right? Somebody who had been there and done that. Uh had a, had a tremendous career, obviously, and, and uh, he was gracious enough to come and, and talk to the guy. Uh,
0: awesome. And I have to – you know, John and I are sitting here. It's like, all right, who's going to ask Doug about Philly Philly, mm-hmm. the Philly special? <laughs> <laughs> One of us has to ask. Well, so- <laughs> and I
1: think I, – and Doug, I, I went to University of Virginia, and I think somebody who was a former quarterback at University of Virginia had a little bit of a small part in that Philly Philly, right? Mike Groh, didn't Mike have a uh, – I guess a – might've brought up the idea that the bears had done it. right? Had,
2: yeah. He was with the Chicago bears when they, when they ran the play. Um, and of course, uh, Press Taylor was assistant coach of mine. He, he actually uh, did some research for me and found the play. And uh, Frank Reich, I brought the play to Frank and, and, and I said, Hey, I want to, I want to put this play in um, for the NFC championship game against the Vikings. And he was like, well, what are we going to call the play? And I just said, Hey, how about Philly special? And, and and so it took a it took a life of its own. Um, you know, the Philly Special became became what it is today. And obviously, it's been it's not the first time that play has ever been run and executed. But uh, at the same time, um, you know, fourth and one in the Super Bowl, everybody's you know thinking, what the heck is going on? And uh, anyway. You know, it came off, and and I give a lot of credit to my staff that year for for finding the play and then, of course, the players for executing that play. And, um, gosh, it worked. I'm just so glad it worked.
1: But was that play (laughs) designed for, like, from the one yard line? Wasn't that more play more of, like, I don't know, like eight or within the 10 or closer, not as close to the goal line? Or, Or am I wrong? Well, what's interesting is, no, yeah, what's interesting is I
2: never had that play as a fourth down play at all. I had it more as a, you know, a short yardage, a third and one or, Uh, maybe a play that could have been even out in the field. You know, I never never once thought to use it on a fourth down inside the five or inside the one-yard line. But, you know, it's just sometimes those plays, when Nick Foles came to the sideline, sometimes those plays just come to mind. And that was just the perfect time when he suggested that. And it got my brain thinking. And I said, yeah, let's go. And, and, um, you know, it's obviously caught New England, you know, by surprise. And, And it was executed by us you know for the touchdown
0: yeah and i wonder you know you're always uh, have, you had the reputation of being aggressive and going into that game you're facing the new england obviously you knew you know we, we were gonna have to score a lot of points you know uh i guess did you have in the back of your head like hey in this game you know uh if we have the opportunity for a trick play or two uh were you thinking that way
2: i was i was you know and and a lot of my mentality, a lot of a lot of my thinking and, and process is just how I was going to call that game. Two, you know, I knew we were going to have to be aggressive everywhere on the field. You know, we're playing a great football team. You know, Tom Brady's a quarterback, Bill Belichick. They've been there. They've done it. Um, and I just knew that we were going to have to be as aggressive and, and we were going to have to maybe pull out a trick play or two from time to time and maybe go for it on fourth down a couple of times and, you know, stay you know, stay as aggressive as we could, and and that's that's what we did. And that was, you know, the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. That was kind of my message to the football team: is we gotta we gotta you know we gotta keep the hammer down, put on the gas. You know, we can't let up. Even if you get the lead, you can't let up. If you're behind, you can't let up. You know, and and um, the guys the guys did it, and and they finished. You know, we talk about finishing all the time in sports, and.
0: To your happy
1: place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.
0: And just for the record, <laughs> Doug, just for the record, I got to tell you, uh, my brother's house in Bluebell, the whole Burgoyne family is, uh, is there. And I don't know who in my family did take a cell phone. Uh, video of the uh, the Philly special. So we're all around the TV. There are like 40 of us in the house, and we have a video of our reaction to that play. <laughs> That's great. We, we didn't post it on YouTube, but, you know, I, every once in a while I I whip out that video and just like, oh, my gosh, we went nuts. That's great. <laughs> hey, Doug, also, you know, I guess it had
1: to have been your thinking, if I remember correctly, the Jaguars were in the AFC Championship. They had the lead, and at halftime, I think they or before right before halftime, if I'm remembering all this correctly, I think they had the ball with like 40 seconds left on their own, maybe 40, and they decided to take a knee and that you must've looked at that and said, you know, that we, you gotta be aggressive right there, right? You're playing the Patriots as you just said earlier.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I saw, I saw the, um, um, that game from my office and, uh, just, just watching that whole, that whole sequence unfold. And, and you know obviously you know the Jaguars had had a significant lead going into the going into the locker room but i just at that point it, you know when i saw what happened i just kind of vowed to my own team like you know i'm going to put the ball in my player's hands let them let them go out and execute be as aggressive as i can um, you know and, and so that kind of resonated with me when when that happened and i saw that and It just it sort of clicked in my brain like Wow, this is exactly what I need to kind of communicate to my team that we need to finish, we need to we need to play every down. And, and um, you know, I never said that to anybody, you know, before. I just kept it to myself and and uh, just went out and said, hey, let's 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 stay aggressive. And, and uh, the guys guys played extremely well in that in that championship game, which was against the Vikings.
0: Nice. And well, and I, we have to ask you too, uh, Doug, about the parade. John and I are fortunate enough uh, that we were both part of the 2008 Phillies parade. And, uh, you know, that day must've just uh, blown your mind to see all those fans out there.
2: It was crazy. It was crazy from, from the second we left, uh, you know, Lincoln financial field and, and right across the street there from Citizens bank. And, you know, we made the, the right turn on broad street and straight down. I mean, it was unbelievable. The amount of people and the, and the, the magnitude and the depth of people got bigger and bigger and the crowds got bigger all the way to the you know the Philadelphia art museum and just uh, a great way to you know end end the championship season with a parade like that for the city for the fans you know um I, I had i had friends and from from new jersey that that you know got rooms hotel rooms downtown just so they could be a part of the you know the, the festivities the next day and just a just a great of people, um, and to stand on those, you know, art museum steps, you know, to see the crowd, uh, just for me, just a very
0: proud moment. And did you have any idea Jason Kelsey would show up in a mummer's outfit?
2: had no idea. (laughs) had no idea. And I thought it was fitting. I thought it was fitting for him, uh, to do that. And, uh, but yeah, I had, I had no idea.
1: Doug, Tom and I were on the, again, on the floats in 2008 for the, uh, parade, um, and it was funny because I, I told our players, I said, look, you guys aren't going to believe what, what you're about to witness. And even I was blown away. Being And I went to the, a lot of the parades in 1980 for the Phillies, 83 Sixers, right, 83? Mm-hmm. yeah, That's right. Um, but the funny yeah. thing is right when we started pulling up Spring Garden, we came up Spring Garden from Delaware Avenue, um. The, we literally started getting accosted by fans that were hoisting up bottles of vodka, bottles of beer, or I mean, <laughs> cases of beer, bottles of wine, and and people were uh, waving out windows, and grandmothers are crying. I, I said, to, I said to somebody, I said, "Oh my God, it looks like we liberated France,
0: <laughs> right?" Well, hey, there's a YouTube of Doug. You made a great catch on a uh, Bud Light. I that's think, right. yeah, it's a great YouTube that circulated.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was that was a great catch I had my wife my wife was on the uh, bus with me and, and I, I saw I was looking down and I saw the guys they were, they were you know, obviously they were throwing beer cans and stuff full beer cans you know up on the buses and stuff And one was actually headed towards the direction of my wife like the back of her head and I just happened to reach out and, and snag it actually was a, a pretty good catch but yeah that was uh that was a crazy day you know people throwing stuff and you know they're throwing footballs and different things for us to sign and throw them back and just uh, again, just a special day.
1: That's great. Uh, a couple, just a couple more memories about as you as a player because there's two big moments. One, uh, you were the quarterback for when Don Shula had his historic 325th win. Tell us about what That's that right. what that was like.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, and ironically, it was against the Philadelphia Eagles um, yeah. at the old Veteran Stadium. You know, in 1993, and you know, I went in that day as a backup quarterback. You know, everybody thinks that Dan Marino was the starter, but he wasn't. Scott Mitchell, the backup, was actually the starter that day. Dan had tore his Achilles earlier in the season, and and then Scott Scott and I got got knocked out with it with a little bit of a shoulder injury. And next thing you know, I'm in there, and uh, kind of kind of two things. One, we only threw the ball when I was in there six times, which which is unheard of. And then and then secondly, we ended up coming back and, and kicking kicking a couple field goals in, in the second half to win that game, and. You know, to do it in Philly, obviously for Don Shula, you know, it it just was, again, another special moment, you know, in my career as a a player Um, and something that I'll always, you know, always remember.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I hope you get to eat free steaks at the Shul's Steakhouse, if that's still
0: <laughs> – it's, <I> it's, <laughs> it's not open anymore? It's <laughs> not here in Philly anymore, no. It's well, but it's still has got to be open around
1: the country, to, right? I
0: think there's probably – there. I think yeah, you should get exactly. free steaks
1: there, Doug. Um, I, I, that would be
2: nice if I did, but I don't think I do anymore. <laughs> well,
1: I'm sure, just like Charlie Manuel, you don't pay for anything when you come to Philadelphia. So, uh, But one other moment, <laughs> yeah, which, no. which I remember, we all remember, Thanksgiving Day, you actually were a holder for uh, a long time for the Packers. And – uh, but this was not with the Packers. This is with the Dolphins. Uh, I was thank- with
2: the Dolphins, yeah. Dolphins still.
1: Yeah, and it was Pete Stoyanovich, right? He uh, had his uh, field goal yep. blocked. Remember Leon Lett, Tom? Oh yeah. Leon Lett like, like tried to scoop it up, and Doug he, was in that game. Yeah, he's ho- he's the holder. Huh. right.
2: Yep. Yep. And guys, that, that was actually the same year. That was in 1993. That was Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day in '93. So it was um, it was about two weeks after Don Shula's victory that we uh were in we in Dallas for the Thanksgiving Day when when the Leon let play happened and we kicked the uh the game winning game winning field goal uh in a uh kind of an ice storm there in Dallas. Hmm.
0: How about that?
1: Were, were you involved in trying to get the ball when, once it got <laughs> blocked or like or did you were you out of the play at that point? Oh,
2: no, 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 we were we were once it got blocked it was headed towards you know, it was headed towards the other know, way. end zone so we just yeah, so we just stayed away from it and, and he should have stayed away from it too, but fortunately, he came in and he touched the ball and, and gave us uh, gave us a second chance. Yeah, to kick on, on
0: Thanksgiving, with only about a billion people watching, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, back in nineteen
0: ninety three. Uh, yep. I think John might have warned you. Uh, Actually, you, I, did, I didn't. So. Oh, oh, so I'll tell you. We always close out our uh, interviews. John always prepares a special quiz. It's about your life. You should do fine. Yeah, you but, have an inside advantage. Before, but before <laughs> okay. you – I do have one last question for you, and that's uh, – my wife and I are binging Friday Night Lights, the TV show. I think there are five seasons. And we're really enjoying it. I'm watching this, and I knew we were talking to you today. Do you have a – sometimes Hollywood can like kind of butcher, you know, uh, games and sports movies, but do you have a favorite, uh, football movie and maybe a coach that, you know, you you just love that movie?
2: You know, I've, uh, there there are, um, there are, there are a a couple of nice, nice football kind of, kind of sports, sports movies. And, and obviously the, 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 you know, the Friday night lights, that whole, that whole story. I love, I love the true stories. And that was, you know, Odessa, Permian, you know, kind of the West Texas town yeah. going against the big, you know, Dallas Carter team, you know, that year for the state championship. And I think Dallas Carter had, who knows, they had, they had, um, gosh, seven eight nine ten 10, you know, division one, um, you know, athletes that year and then, that kind of stuff. And then for them to overcome, you know, and, and win that football game, that's, that's, I hate to hate, it kind of sounds cheesy, but it's kind of how our season was in Philadelphia. You know, you're know, you kind of the underdogs. And you always felt like you were the underdogs, and, but yet you come back and you win the game. And um, to me, those, those types of movies um, really resonate with me, um, again, because of my career and just the way things kind of unfolded for me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm loving John, did you see Friday Night Lights? No, I did Oh, not. it's yeah. tremendous. Now, it's been, off, it's been off the air for a while, but you can binge it, and yep. I'm telling yeah. you, it's, it's fantastic. All right, Doug, yeah. it's time for- With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Right. It's time for the quiz. Oh, it's, eight, it's eight questions. It's about your life, so you have an inside advantage. And what we what we tell our guests is that the bar set is you have uh, if you get six out of eight, and we'll be lenient, but uh, Tom, as uh, <laughs> as I mentioned, is the, be- is the best friend of the fanatic, right? So... Uh, Okay. So you get something fanatic related. I know you're a fanatic or
0: swoop related.
1: (laughs) Not swoop related. Doug loves swoop. He does, but this will be fanatic related. (laughs) Whatever you want fanatic-wise, you got it. All right. So all all you got. Here we go. it's multiple choice, too. So uh, here we go. Question number one. You went to Ferndale High School in Ferndale, Washington, right? Which of these celebrities, which of these celebrities did not go to Ferndale High School? I'm going to give you four celebrities. Three went to that high school, one did not. All right. Uh, A is Michael uh, uh, Conan, who's a former punter for the Falcons and Buccaneers. Uh, B is Jake Locker, former quarterback for the Titans. Uh, C is Marshall Mathers, who is uh, also known as Eminem. And D is Darren Norris, who's a voice actor for Fairly Odd Parents and some other shows. So is it Michael Conan, Jake Locker, Eminem, or Darren Norris? It's Eminem, (laughs) C. Eminem is correct. Final answer. Final (laughs) answer. It's (laughs) great. All right. You also went to uh, Northeast Louisiana, which is now known as University of Louisiana at Monroe. Uh, which of these yes. c- celebrities did not go to that school? Okay, former okay. former NFL uh, former NFL quarterback Stan Humphreys, uh, Fred Rogers from Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, country singer Tim McGraw, or former pitcher Chuck Finley.
2: Let's go with B, Mister Rogers. Mister Rogers,
1: <laughs> correct. And Doug, I got to tell you a quick story. So, uh, speaking of Tim McGraw. So, Tug obviously, we, Tom and I both knew Tug his Dad uh, very well. So, Tug Tom Burgoyne, before he was the f- best friend of the fanatic, was doing music for the Phillies games, right? Uh, so, I'm Tug, so Tug, Tug McCraw walks into the music room before the game and said, "Hey, Tom, my son is a aspiring country singer. Here's a cassette tape. Can you play a song?" And and. Tom said, "Sure, Tug, no problem." <laughs> Tug leaves the room, and, and Tug and Tom's like, "Yeah, right, country singer." And he, I don't, God knows what he did with a tape. I tossed it in the into <laughs> the box
0: of music we never play. So you know? needless to say,
1: Tom Burgoyne will there never be a music program director. Early. Ah,
0: that's yeah. I, I wasn't scouting music at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know, Doug.
1: There you go. All right, there you go. You're two for two. All right, you played in the World League of American Football for the New York New Jersey Knights in 1992. Which one of these guys was not a teammate? Okay, so so you're going to go back to, you know, way back when. Wow. All right, but, okay. I, but I, tried to, I tried to get some pretty big names here, right? Or at least uh, okay. from All the right. production point of view. A is Monty Gilbreth. B is Cornell Burbez. C is Philanda Newton. And D is Juan Epstein. <laughs> so I <started> what? Guessing. <laughs> what? What's the one, last one, dude? one <laughs> so I started laughing. Juan Epstein. Oh, it's got to be D. It's got to be yeah, D. Yes. Welcome back. Cotter? Yes. Juan Epstein from <laughs> welcome back. Cotter started. Going, welcome God. back. Cotter. Yeah. All
2: right. Say, and
1: Epstein. Epstein's not necessarily your, your typical
2: football name. Right.
1: <laughs> Epstein's mother is going to get him out of the football game. So. All right. You're three for That's three. Great. Number four. You're one of four individuals to win a Super Bowl as a player and a head coach. Which one is not one of these individuals? So three of these guys won a Super Bowl as a as a player and head coach, and one did not. So it's uh, A is Bill Cower, B is Tom Flores, C is Mike Dicka, and D is Tony Dungy.
2: Uh, a. A is Bill correct.
1: Cow- four for four, Tommy. He, he's on a roll. He's on yeah. a roll. All yeah. right. Keep it rolling. I'm not sure if they get easier or harder, but here we go. In 1995, you played for the Rhine Fire, which is located in Dusseldorf, Ooh. Germany. you has got a very interesting career. Right. Which of these teams yeah. was not in the World League of American Football at that time? Okay. A, Ooh, the Scottish, okay. Scottish Claymores, B, the Milan Marauders, C, the Amsterdam Admirals, or D, the Barcelona Dragons? Uh, B. Milan. Milan Marauders. He's Sh- on a roll. Five like for that. five, Tom. I'm crushing it. All right, six, the Chicago Bears scored a touchdown on their version of Philly Philly, we mentioned this, uh, in 2016. Which of these players was not involved in that play? There's, again, four guys, three guys are involved in the play in the I Bears. I think
0: Doug's going to get this, but go ahead, John. Well, okay, <laughs>
1: I'm sure okay. he's Okay, A is Matt, Matt Barkley, B is Jeremy Langford, C is Cameron Meredith, D is Jordan Howard.
2: Uh, Let's go D, Jordan Howard. He's six for six. Hello. All right. All over
1: that one. All right, this is this we got. We had to throw a little baseball question in here. You played okay, for the you played right. for, you played for the Eagles in 1999. Who led the Phillies in home runs that year with 31? Okay, was it Scott Rowland, Ron Gant, Rico Bronya, or Mike Lieberthal? You can and you can have Tom doesn't know the, these questions, so you can ask for a lifeline if you want to Tom Burgoyne, who was working here at the time. All game.
2: right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 99. I have slept since then. So Tom, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to throw, throw a lifeline to you. So the it's pressure. Scott
1: Rowland, Ron Gant, Rico Bronia, or Mike Lieberthal. Well, I'll give
0: you a suggestion, but yeah. You know, well, don't... no, well, you're, you give the answer. Oh, jeez. I, I could crush his six for six <laughs> right could. now. Yes, oh, you could. No. All in you. All right. I got to go rolling Scott Rowland. You're wrong. It's Mike Lieberthal. Oh, See? jeez. Mike... Oh, so you tra- you okay. trusted him, Doug. Yeah. You yeah. messed up. You messed All up. Right. You trusted me.
1: All right. Last <laughs> question. You still, are, you still won. You already qualified, and you're going to win a, anything you want fanatic-related. So the last question, and thank you for doing this uh is we'll go back to tim mcgraw uh, because you are a tim mcgraw fan correct yes i am all right which one of these songs is not his song so three are real Ooh, tim mcgraw okay. songs one is not okay uh okay. a is live like you are dying b is humble and kind c is you take the medicine i'll take the nurse and d is southern girl
2: uh, C. C. That would kind of out there. Is that like <laughs> Ted Nugent or something?
0: <laughs> I, I, I it was, it, that, that was, was a that was, real country song, was, believe it or not. <laughs> that is a real country song. That was song. a real
1: country song, yes.
0: That was a real country song? <laughs> I looked Holy it up, cow. yes.
1: Someone, someone made money off that one. So there you go. But not Tim. No, not Tim McGraw.
0: He's too nice of a guy to do All that. All right. Well, Doug, you did it. Seven of eight. Congratulations. And, uh, and listen, we want to thank you for coming on, Doug. We're, uh, we're fired up. John and I are lifelong Eagle fans and, uh, we really appreciate you coming on with us and you have lifelong. If
1: you ever want to come to a Phillies game, obviously Tom and I will take care of you uh, and your family.
2: Well, I appreciate that means a lot. And what a, what a great city to, you know, to to not only coach in, but to play in as well. And, And it's a great city when you win and, you know, you get to meet some great people. You know, like like you, like yourselves, and and just a lot of great memories. You know, from my career there, and and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully, I'll get a chance to coach on a on a sideline, but it'll probably be opposite of, you know, the head 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 side there in Philadelphia, the home side there in Philly. But uh great place to play, and I appreciate you guys having me on today.
0: Awesome. Well, either way, Doug, uh, we'll be pulling for you. So uh, best of luck. All right, thanks, Doug. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Bye, bye. See ya. How about
1: that, huh, John? That we are on a roll, and a super nice that guy. I mean, he is what what you read. If you, you know, obviously, most of our listeners haven't met him. Super guy, down to earth, uh, and again, I'm, I wasn't. He threw a seed on that first pitch. <laughs> so you know, you, you, know I, you know, one yeah. one of the questions we should have asked him is that you know we always say catchers make the best managers. Well, I, I I'm assuming backup quarterbacks yeah. probably make the best man, uh, coaches in the NFL because. You know they're 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 involved in the plays they're they're seeing it from the sidelines you know they have a front row seat you know and they're actually involved in the scheming of the play so it's uh, you yeah. know but but he's again just like Charlie Manuel is going to go down. Uh, should never have to buy a drink or, or a meal in Philadelphia.
0: Absolutely not. And just it was so much fun just preparing for this interview, John, because you know, I watched the, the highlight NFL highlight film. I watched uh, you know a bunch of stuff. There's really great stuff on online. That you and, can I, watch. and I
1: and I I went to the Ambler Library yeah. and read his book. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was gonna check it out. And next thing you know I got engrossed into the book and next thing yeah. I an hour and a half later I I well, a couple
0: out. things about his career, too. It's unbelievable how many times that Miami cut him. It five, was like times, five times. Literally five times like he was on. And so talk about perseverance, yep. you know, and uh, and it was just cool. The other thing that really stood out to me and kind of going back and looking at things was uh, his speech to the team after they won the Super Bowl. So they came off the field after the yep. trophy presentation. And you saw how close-knit they were. Yep. I mean, and he mentioned Malcolm Jenkins. You know, uh, Malcolm went in there. And, you know, Doug, of course, his speech was great. But then, you know, Malcolm just, you know, first of all, love was their word. You know, uh, the, the NFL highlight film featured that. Like, you know, how much they loved and respected one another. And it's just like, it, it, you know, as a coach, he just has to be so proud. Like, when he looks yeah. at this stuff, like, wow, th- this is what being a head coach is all about. If, even if they had lost that, that game... You know, just that bond that that team had, and, and they were an underdog. Yep. You know, uh, it just just awesome.
1: And you know, there are rumors now that he is, um, yeah. you know, could be a, a good replacement for, um, you know, out in Jacksonville. Yeah, for sure. Um, P- and perfect. Well, it really is perfect because you know here you got it. You know, they just had a controversy, obviously, with their. Uh, current coach. Yep. Um, Quarterback Trevor
0: Lawrence. And there's a young quarterback
1: and here's someone that's you know was a backup quarterback was known as someone to you know to groom you know whether it's Carson Wentz or Nick Foles or whomever so uh, yeah I think it would be an ideal choice and I think you know. It could be interesting. We might have gotten him at the right time. Because <laughs> you know, know what? I think his phone's going to be blown off <laughs> His phone off might hook, be blowing uh, up, and I don't think he's going to be taking a call is. from
0: Tom Burgoyne and John Brazier. <laughs> <laughs> Low on the pecking order. Right. Uh, John, hey, we finished the 2000. That was 2000. a fun year. That was a great year. Uh, happy holidays to you. And you too. Um, we Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, – Better days and good days ahead in 2022. And looking forward to our next interview. We'll we'll, we'll go back to the
1: Phillies uh, end. Awesome. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, and we also want to thank uh, everybody who tunes in to Phillies Backstage. Uh, really, we love uh, the fact that you guys are out there listening. And uh, from John and I, happy holidays to everybody and happy new year. Backstage.